saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Hi, Grandma. Can Nina come over for dinner? Sure. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! If anyone ever does, I want you to say, no, I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. I promise, Grandma. They really do hear you. For tips on what to say, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. You're listening to KNEA Jonesboro and KBRI Clarendon. The Ticket. It's time for The Setup, the fastest hour in sports talk here on The Ticket. Here are your hosts, Kay Carlton and Andrew Bowen. All right, welcome in here on a Monday, November 1st, 2021 edition of The Setup. Kate Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you here on 95.3 and 96.9 The Ticket. AM 970. K-N-E-A. Uh, streaming online, 953theticket.com and through the TuneIn app by searching for K-N-E-A. You can also find us on Twitter at 953theticket along with uh, facebook.com slash 953theticket there as well. Uh, a lot of stuff to get into on the show today. We'll go over... Um, the uh, A-State-South Alabama game will spend the majority of the first two segments uh, talking about A-State in uh, that South Al game. Also have an a, a A-State basketball game tonight, so uh, we'll go over that. We'll go over the weekend of college football as a whole and kind of touch on uh, a lot of other different things. It was a busy sports weekend, so uh, a lot to get into, a short amount of time to do it. Before we get into anything, though, Andrew Bowen will get us caught up on some headlines. Brought to you by Plaza Tire Service, bringing you the best deals on tires. The struggles continued over the weekend for Arkansas State football with a 31-13 loss at South Alabama. Al Lamar returned to kickoff for a touchdown in the second quarter, but that was the only trip to the end zone on the day for the Red Wolves as South Alabama forced four turnovers and held A-State to 224 yards of total offense. The Red Wolves now sit at 1-7. Also in A-State news, Cross Country swept the men's and women's Sunbelt Conference titles on Friday with Pauline Meyer also winning the individual women's championship, so congratulations to her. Uh, tonight, men's basketball will open their season with an exhibition game against Blue Mountain College at First National Bank Arena and tip-offs at 7 p.m. on 107.9 K-Fine. Meanwhile, in Fayetteville, Razorback football was off, but men's basketball topped North Texas 68-60 in the Hogs' final exhibition game. World Series news, the Astros won Game 5 yesterday 9-5. This puts the series at 3-2 with the Braves still in the lead. Game 6 is tomorrow night at 7.09 p.m. And this has been your headlines, brought to you by Plaza Tire Service, bringing the best deals on tires. All right, uh, a lot of stuff to get into on the show today. We'll uh, we'll start first with A State and uh, South Alabama. Uh, obviously, a game that uh, didn't go A State's way. They lost thirty-one to thirteen on the road Saturday. Uh, by the way, Hancock Whitney Stadium looked really nice on the uh, ESPN Plus broadcast. So, uh, 
I guess shout out to uh, shout out to South Alabama. They have a nice new stadium. It's no longer Lad Peebles, so that was uh, a good thing out of the game. But I mean, really and truthfully, there wasn't a uh, there wasn't a whole lot of good. Uh, I mean, talk about Alan Lamar. I mean, Alan Lamar returned to kick off a hundred yards for a touchdown in the second quarter of play, and that was about the lone bright spot uh, in the game on Saturday. I mean, it was just a brutal start for a state in this game. Um, you know, it, it just, just watching, it just seemed like it, South L had wide holes, wide, wide holes to run through and just nothing but green grass on their first three or four drives. It seemed like every time they called a running play, it was going for five or six or more yards, um, to, to start out the game. So first off, you know, you give up an 80 yard drive for a score, but it's like, whatever, you know. It felt okay. Offense looked like it had found a groove just in terms of, you know, some some level of of a run game and pass game and just a little balance offensively against Lafayette. So you you know, obviously you don't want to give them an eighty yard first drive, but you know, A State goes down the field and scores, they make it seven seven. It's like, all right, let's let's get in store for for a shootout, which frankly is I mean, I think the over-under was in the 60s. So, frankly, that's what a lot of people expected out of this game. Only for A-State to back themselves up, get it second and 20, do nothing on second down, nothing on third down, have to punt. And then kind of uh, before you blink, it's 20 to nothing, and Jalen Tolbert has caught two touchdown passes uh, to to start the game for, for South Alabama. So, that was just disastrous. And then... You know, A State down fourteen to nothing. You finally get, you know, a decent drive going where you get down in the red zone and you're, you know, like at the what, like the five yard line, four yard line, and get a few yards. It's fourth down, so we're gonna go for it on fourth down. And just Hatcher gets pressure in his face, throws it out of the end zone, and then South Al goes down and scores, and it's twenty one nothing. Uh, early on in the second quarter, and it's like, well, this one kind of feels like it's already over with, and then it's twenty-eight nothing before you know. It, so it just it spiraled out of control really, really quickly. It, uh, it it got to be a four touchdown game like midway through the second quarter, and it just felt like it. Uh, you know, you just kind of got punched in the mouth early, and really never could never could recover in that first half of play. So. You go back and look at the first half. There's, there's quite literally no positives to take away except for the Alan Lamar uh, kick return for a touchdown. You yeah. didn't move the ball effectively offensively. The one time you moved the ball really well offensively, you get it down at the one yard line and you can't score, and you give up 28 points. And South Al just kind of moved the ball at will uh, in that first half of play. So. Yeah, it was it was it was disappointing to say the least. I mean, it just like you mentioned at the beginning. I mean, it just looked like the team kind of took a big step back from that Lafayette game. I mean, Lafayette game, the defense still had its problems here and there, but it looked like it was going somewhere, and the offense was clicking, had a tempo going. But I don't know what happened this game. They just looked lost. I mean, I think there's something to be said with you know you did have two weeks to prepare for Lafayette, and you're back on the one week schedule and. I mean, That's it fair. just exposed a lot of – I mean, just let's just call a spade a spade. You're, you're just not very good defensively right now. Yeah. Uh, 
and I say that you weren't good defensively in the first half. And then the second half, it's like, all right, it, you know, if we play as well defensively as we did in the second half, then I mean, this is a ball game right now, despite the offensive struggles, mm-hmm. uh, because A State gives up three points in the second half. I mean, most of South Alabama's drives don't go anywhere in the second half. So four of their first drives to start the second half went backwards in terms of total yards gained. The other one, which they removed the ball down the field a little bit, I guess, and then they threw an interception. So four of their first five drives of the second half were negative play drives where they had to punt, and one was an interception. So I just – it was a little, I guess, perplexing of how you can look the way you did out of the gate in the first half of play and then play lights out defensively in in the second half. And I don't know if give yourself a chance is the right word because you've already – facing a four touchdown deficit but you at least didn't make it let it get worse I mean you at least shut South Alabama down in the second half so I mean there were there were there were bright spots uh defensively in the second half but again it's like this is not all on the defense I mean it's you have to look at the offense too and it's again after a week where you're really balanced offensively you rush I think you gained, what, like 120, 125 total yards. Your net rushing yards were around 110, something like that, um, against the Cajuns. And so you felt like you finally got a little bit of a run game. You didn't really turn the ball over. Hatcher looked, you know, comfortable. And then you average one and a half yards per rush. And then you really have zero passing game because Lane Hatcher throws three interceptions. So it's not all on the defense. I mean, you, you really didn't give yourself a chance offensively. Um, in the game either. So it, uh, you know, it just all around. There's there's not a whole lot of positives to to take out of this game. Obviously, the scary thing was Corey Record going down. Uh, I guess what like in the third quarter, um, and he traveled back with a state on Saturday night. That's something Butch Jones said. You know, after the game, that everything came back good enough where he could travel back. Um, had a family emergency, but was going to be back and be in practice tomorrow with with a state. So, what looked to be potentially a scary injury, uh, thankfully, really kind of nothing to that at this point, at least. And Corey Rucker's expected to be back uh, in practice to tomorrow. So, right now you're at one and seven on the year, uh, a seven game losing streak, uh, one of the longest, uh, I guess, since since 2000. And so. You know, I it it kind of is what it is. Um, obviously, you you felt like with with South Alabama getting beat by ULM that hey maybe this turns into a little bit of a winnable game and this can jumpstart a little run down the stretch and that's just not the case uh, because it was it was uh, it was twenty eight nothing you know really before you could kind of ever look up in the first half of play. It so, was an ugly game. It was an yeah. ugly game. So. That uh, that's kind of that. Um, you know, I don't I don't really know where you where you go from here the rest of the season. Obviously, you know the last four games you want to see. You know, you you say you want to see new faces get in the fold, but I mean, really and truthfully, a state has played so many different guys this year. Be it for be it for injuries or to get a different like whatever. Like a state has played so many different guys that. Quite honestly, I don't know how many guys are on the roster that we haven't gotten a look at right. at some point throughout the season. So, 
you know, you could say the whole argument of, oh, we're going to get more freshmen in whatever these last four games. But, I mean, really, how many more newcomers can you put on the field than what you've already done throughout the course of the season, whether it's for injuries or whether it's, you know, because you're making a change at the position. For whatever reason, like, we've already seen a ton, a ton of younger guys on the field throughout the course of this season. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, still try to win games, obviously, um, the rest of the season. But, I mean, you do kind of need to – I wouldn't say the team does, but I think everyone as a whole just needs to take a look at what's going to happen for next season and kind of analyze these next few games and think, all right, what can we build on for next season? Um, because, I mean, it it is a rough season. You know, didn't ma- not going to make a bowl game even if you win all your games, but, you know. So, uh, A-State has two at home, two on the road left. Uh, one of their road games, ULM, which uh, is – coming up next weekend on the 13th that was announced earlier today uh, it'll be a four o'clock kickoff over on ESPN plus uh, still no official start times for the uh, Georgia State game and Texas State games to close the season so Friday we went over uh, a few things what did the C out of this A State game we'll come back we'll look at that we'll also look at uh, uh, the fact that uh just look at the, um, I guess, the point spread that A-State opened up against uh, against App State this weekend at home and kind of what that line says a little bit. Uh, that's coming up after we take this time out here on The Ticket. We're not ready to go to the closer just yet. Stick around. More of the setup is coming up next on The Ticket. Hey, everybody. It's Matt Stoltz. And Brad Bobo. So everybody seems to have a podcast these days. And, well, we've decided to join the party. We'll release a new episode every Tuesday. Of course, we'll talk about what's going on with the Red Wolves, but we'll also be able to talk about some things we might not always get to. That's right. We'll have interviews, behind-the-scenes info, tell plenty of stories, and have a whole lot of fun as we talk about everything a state it's the second to none podcast presented by simmons bank new episodes every tuesday wherever you get your podcast hey y'all this is matthew cox with cox implement time for football and time to check out our new inventory of zero turn mowers don't keep putting money in that old mower and don't wait till next year it is no secret the inventory has been a challenge in 2021 but at cox we are stocking up on zero turn mowers and preparing for 2022 kick off the fall with a new zero turn mower from cox implement come see us at any of our three locations in Hoxie, Highland, and Jonesboro, or visit us online at coximplement.com. Cox Implement, equipment you can count on, people you can trust. Be part of a company that helps get food to grocery stores, medicine to pharmacies, and online orders to customers around the world. Hytrill has been an industry leader for over half a century, and they're ready for you to join their team. Design and build new conveyor systems and technology at a company that people want to work with and want to work for. One that puts its employees, partners, and customers first. Join the Hytrill family. Apply today at careers.hytrill.com. It's the final week of the football regular season, and the EAB Sports Network has you covered. Join us Thursday night as Jonesboro goes to Marion on 95.3 and 96.9 The Ticket. And in 5A East Action Friday, Brooklyn hosts Forest City on 101.7 KISS FM. Nettleton travels to win on 94.1 Bob FM. And Valley View welcomes in Batesville on 102.1 KBTM. High School Football is brought to you by First National Bank, NEA Baptist, Real Estate Nate, the Cavanaugh Auto Group, St. Bernard's, JOSM, and Domino's Pizza. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 on this EAB Sports network station there are no words to describe it the isolation the boredom the loneliness if you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter spirit went you're hardly alone 
The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again, playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care, the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real, and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult, but school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports, it's so much more than a game. This message presented by the Arkansas Activities Association and the Arkansas High School Athletic Administrators Association. We're always rooting for overtime round here. Now let's get back to the setup. All right, welcome back here on the setup. Okay, Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you here on the ticket. All right, so I didn't see this. This came out two hours ago. Uh, and just saw where Brett McMurphy tweeted it out. But so Texas State lost 45 nothing to uh, the Cajuns on Saturday. Uh, they threw for just 42 yards. They only rushed for 163. And um, just kind of got pummeled on Saturday. So their director of athletics has put out a statement on Twitter, which is a little lengthy. It's at uh, it's on the Texas State Athletics feed at uh, TX State Bobcats. But uh, basically just said Saturday was a difficult day for all of us who love and support Texas State football. On behalf of Texas State Athletics, we are disappointed and must do better. I understand the frustration and I share it. Uh, I have shared that sentiment with Coach Spavadol, uh, who, with his staff, remains steadfast and determined uh, to lead our incredible student-athletes to win football games. So it, it goes on. There's a lot more in this letter, but that is it's kind of a little bit of a shot at Jake Spavadol, the Texas State head coach, yeah, for that's... your AD to write a letter and put it on Twitter about how this is, this is not the product that we want at Texas State. So that uh, – That'll be an interesting, interesting storyline to follow. That's a weird as uh, as the rest of as the rest of the season goes on, as the rest or as the off season goes on. Because um, I mean, listen, it, it it's year three for for Spavadol. He's been at Texas State since two thousand and nineteen. Uh, they're they're two and six this year. Uh, they went. They went three and nine in this first season. They went two and ten last year, and right now they are they are two and six on the year. Uh, still have ULM, Georgia Southern, Coastal, and Arkansas State left on the schedule. So, I mean, maybe there's maybe there's a couple of wins there that get you to four. But man, if you if you lose out, or even if you only win one more game, and you're looking at two and nine, three and ten, that situation certainly becomes very interesting to look at yeah over uh over the off season just to uh to kind of see what what texas state does uh there that's so, just a it's just a weird move to tweet that out yeah i don't get that but so anyways anyways that uh that came out a couple of hours ago from the uh, texas state athletics page on twitter uh so a state not quite in the same boat as Texas State. At least they didn't get shut out forty-five nothing on Saturday, but still uh, lost on the road at South Alabama on Saturday. So we kind of went over a few things. Wanted to see out of a state in this game, and one of the things we 
harped on a lot throughout the course of this program throughout the course of the season is that you know a state has to move the ball effectively on first downs there are certain teams in the country that you know they can get behind the chains on second and third downs and get back in front of the chains and get first downs but so far a state has not proved that they can do that they have to get positive yardage on first downs in order to to sustain any type of of driver, they really did that well against against the Cajuns. the The, the main stat from that Lafayette game was that A State gained three or more yards on sixteen of their twenty seven first downs, and that showed because they moved the ball effectively. They only scored twenty seven points, whatever, but they moved the ball effectively. And I mean, the offense really did nothing productive on Saturday. So that is that's a no because you. You didn't move the ball well. You didn't move the ball well on first, second, or third downs at all on Saturday. And it showed by the fact that A-State did not have a single offensive touchdown. Their only, I guess, scoring from the offense came via field goals. And then, obviously, they had the uh, kick return touchdown from uh, from Johnny Lang. Uh, that was their only uh, – or Alan Lamar, excuse me. That was their only touchdown of of the day. I guess the positive thing is, even though the first two drives, it looked like South Alabama was just going to go to Jalen Tolbert all day, and Tolbert was going to break the FBS record for receiving yards in a game, because it seemed like every time on South Alabama's first two drives that they dropped back to pass, like Jalen Tolbert was the guy that that caught the ball. He had two touchdowns, like halfway through the first quarter, he had two touchdowns, and South Al was at 14 nothing. It's like, well, this is going to be one of those games where Tolbert catches like four or five touchdowns, and it's like, ah, whatever. But, I mean, really after that first quarter, I, I mean, Tolbert didn't do just a ton in the game. Um, you know, that was one of the things we talked about because he was averaging 200 yards and almost four touchdowns against A-State in his previous two games against A-State. And so could they hold him in check? And, I mean, they kind of did after those first two drives. He finished with like 95 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns, but most all of that came – in the first quarter of play. And then South Alabama really didn't move the ball effectively in the second half of play because A-State kind of swarmed to the ball defensively. So Tolbert didn't have the breakout game that he normally has against A-State, even though he scored two early touchdowns. But, I mean, really second through fourth quarters, he was kind of a little bit of a non-factor. So, I mean, I guess that's a a little bit of a win for for A-State being able to key in on a guy, Jalen Tolbert, that has just been an A-State killer over the past uh, couple of years. Yeah, so. I was going to say that's at least a positive coming out of the on the defensive side. But obviously more room to grow and everything with the defense. But, yeah, definitely a positive to take away from this uh, awful game. A couple of other things, you know, just talked about. Can A-State establish the run to, to set up the pass? And I felt like they really did that well against the Cajuns because they were able to – you know, Hatcher had a little bit more of a clean pocket against the Cajuns just because, I mean, Lafayette had to respect the run a little bit. Uh, he didn't have a really clean pocket against South Alabama, and that's – it's not all due to this fact, but it's due a little bit to the fact that, I mean, South Alabama didn't have to prepare for the run. All they had to do was stop the pass. And so, no, A-State did not run the ball well on uh, on Saturday, and – you know, one of the other things talked about was just could they get pressure up front. And in the second half, they did. I mean, if if you take the second half defensive performance, and that was the only defensive performance you saw on Saturday, man, A-State played great. 
It's just that the first 30 minutes, whatever, they did not play great defensively, and they were in a 28 to nothing hole before they even really attempted to kind of dig themselves out of that hole. So there were some positives to take away defensively in the second half of play, but not a whole lot of positives in that first half. So as as happens each and every Sunday, we we get the lines for next weekend and get to see uh, kind of the opening lines for every college football game, usually, I guess, right after the time the AP poll drops. So A-State taking on App State this week, a team that is receiving votes now in the top 25. So Coastal uh, moved up a couple of spots. Lafayette moved back in, I think, at 24, and App State was receiving a few votes. So they were one of the three Sunbelt teams that were, in some form or fashion, on the AP poll yesterday when it came out. Uh, A-State has opened as a 21-point dog to App State this weekend. Now, their last couple of home games, there have been a couple of big lines. Uh, Coastal was 20 The Cajuns line was like 17 or 18, but uh, this line, the 21-point line against App State, is is the largest since 2001 when Eli Manning and Ole Miss came to town, and uh, Ole Miss was a 21-point favorite. So I kind of went back and looked, and I couldn't find uh, the last time A-State was a 3 was a 21-point dog in a, in a conference game. I guess if you want to count Coastal as a three-touchdown dog, that would be the uh, would be the last time. But uh, yeah, so that uh, that's kind of where it stands for the for the App State game this weekend. Obviously, you know, glass half full perspective. You were an 18-point dog to to the Cajuns and lost by one, and had your chances to win the game if you don't allow a 10-minute drive to close the game. So true. That is not the end all be all, but that's kind of where it where it stands right now for uh, for A State football. All right, we'll we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of men's basketball. They played their uh, I guess season opening exhibition game tonight against Blue Mount College. There's still a ton of college football stuff that we haven't gotten to. Ton of uh, NBA, NFL, MLB. So a lot of stuff we need to get into in the final half hour of the show. We'll do that next here on the ticket. Kara's icing down, Bobo's in the pen. But Kate and Andrew are dealing. The setup continues right after this on The Ticket. Football season is in full swing, and your friends at The Ticket are talking about all the teams you care about. High school, Red Wolves, Razorbacks, we've got you covered with all your favorite shows, including The Front Row with Budrow, RWRC Radio, The Workday Red Zone with Kara Ritchie, The Setup, and The Drive with Brad Bobo. And The Ticket is Northeast Arkansas's home to the Dallas Cowboys. So if you want football, we're here for you on 104.1 KBRI, KNEA AM 970, 95.3 and 96.9 The Ticket. You've been told banks with branches don't have the digital capabilities you need, but why not have the best of both worlds? At First National Bank, we have all the online banking tools you could ever need. Plus, if you need something, we have real people in real places near you. Digital with branches and real people. We know you can't be everywhere at once, but we can be anywhere you are. Check it, snap it, track it, pay it, move it, and ask it anywhere. First National Bank, putting you first always. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. 
You've got a lot riding on how well your car gets repaired. When you choose Stadium Auto Body after an accident, you know you've chosen the best body shop in Northeast Arkansas. Stadium Auto Body is iCar Gold Class certified, meaning our auto body professionals have current, up-to-date training that contributes to complete, safe, and quality repairs. Accidents happen. We're what happens next. Stadium Auto Body in Jonesboro and StadiumAutoBody.com. Stadium Auto Body, take care of you. Red Wolves fans, this is Coach Butch Jones, and it's game week. We need you in Centennial Bank Stadium this Saturday. Hatcher throws it over the middle. Caught today. Linton across the 40. Breaks a tackle across the 45-50. T. Hunt across the 40, 30, 20. He's inside the 10, and he's into the end zone for the score. 76 yards. Help us lock the vault. Secure your seat now. Visit HStateRedWolves.com or call 870-972-2781. Wolves up. Arkansas hunters, we need your help. There's a silent killer in the deer woods that is expanding through our state. Chronic wasting disease, a fatal neurological disease that affects deer and elk. The Arkansas Game and Fish Commission is asking that any harvested deer be tested at more than 100 free testing locations throughout the state. The data collected will be very valuable as we continue our research. To learn more about this disease and to find your closest testing site, visit ArkansasCWD.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Place with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Children can die from heat stroke after being mistakenly left in a car. This sometimes happens when there's a change in routine. Make it a habit to put your phone or bag in the back seat next to your baby. Ask your caregiver to always call if your child doesn't arrive as expected and lock your car when it's parked. If you see a child alone in a car, call 911. For more on child safety, talk with your pediatrician or visit HealthyChildren.org. It's the quickest hour in sports talk. That was fast. Now back to the setup on the ticket. All right, welcome back here on the setup. Kate Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you here on the ticket. Halfway home on a Monday edition of the show. Uh, By the way, Alan Lamar earned uh, the Sunbelt Football Conference uh, Special Teams Player of the Week. As he, uh, so he finished with the most kickoff return yards by an FBS player this season, third most in Sunbelt Conference history, and uh, set, the, uh, set the program record at A-State for kickoff return yards. In the contest on Saturday, so he oh. uh, he was named the uh, Sunbelt Football Special Teams Player of the Week. That coming out from the league office uh, about an hour or two uh, ago, as they announced their weekly awards tonight. A state basketball will be in action. We'll get our first dose of, I guess not first dose. They did have the uh, scarlet and black scrimmage, but the first dose of A state basketball. Uh, against an opponent other than themselves will be tonight at First National Bank Arena, 7 o'clock against Blue Mountain College. Uh, you can hear the broadcast over on 107.9 K-Fine pregame coverage uh, starting up around 6.30 tonight. So uh, it'll be the lone uh, exhibition game of the year for uh, a state. They'll, next, they'll play their uh, season opener next uh, Tuesday night against Harding. But uh, tonight, exhibition matchup, A-State and Blue Mountain College tonight. So uh, excited to see how this this team looks. I, I don't know if we'll see if we'll see Desi Seals tonight. Um, 
kind of doubt it. it. If we do, it's probably not a whole lot. But we'll get to see North Shadow Mirror, and we'll get to see uh, a ton of different guys uh, on the court tonight for A-State. So that should be fun to get the first uh, true look at, at A-State men's basketball tonight uh, from First National Bank Arena. If you can't make it out, it'll be over on 107.9 K-Fine with a 7 o'clock tip-off in that one. So it's uh, it's a little crazy. College basketball is here. It all starts for real next uh, next week. Uh, I think the, the Champions Classic is Tuesday night, which is the official start of college basketball season. So I think the first day of regular season games are, uh, are Tuesday, and so that'll be uh, – That'll be fun as uh, college basketball kicks off next week. Hard to believe it's hard to believe it's here, but it is. I know. So that's coming up tonight. Uh, we're still in the middle of college football season, though, and it has been a bizarre college football season to this point. But really, not a whole lot of surprise outcomes this week in terms of in terms of college football. Uh, you know, Cincinnati absolutely deserves a place in the college football playoff. I if, 100% agree. If they go undefeated. They yeah. absolutely deserve a place in the playoff. It'd be insane if they don't get it. But at the same time, I mean, they're up 14-12 to 12 on Tulane at the half. Uh, that's a close back-and-forth game until they really pull away in the second half of play. Uh, they, they still have SMU on their schedule. And, I mean, I guess they would have either SMU or Houston in the American Conference Championship. I don't, I don't know what the standings are in the American Conference. I do know uh, Houston beat, uh, beat SMU. So, yeah, so right now Cincinnati is 4-0 in the league. Houston's 5-0 in the league. So, essentially, if you're Cincinnati and you went out or whatever, if you lose to SMU and you're still in the title game, you'd have to play Houston. So, there are a couple of games on their schedule – uh, SMU and then a potential a title match against Houston where you think, okay, maybe they could falter a little bit. Uh, my, my, I just I, – I just – I think last year, if they got in the playoff, they could have – I don't know if they could have beat any of the teams in the playoff, but I think they would have given anybody a good game. I think it would have been yeah. a one-possession game no matter who they played in the playoff last year. And, I mean, honestly, they might could have beaten Clemson because Clemson just got steamrolled by Ohio State last year in the playoff. But I do a little bit question how good they are offensively and if they had the same offensive firepower they did last year, uh, if they got in the playoff to win a game and potentially get to the national championship. So, that I mean, that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow because I do think SMU and Houston – both are tough, and Houston probably yeah. probably is tougher than SMU because I mean Houston pretty much had their way with SMU this weekend. So yeah, my my one thing with Cincinnati is, yeah, the Tulane game was a little rough, but I mean Oklahoma struggled against Tulane too, and Oklahoma has been struggling all season. So, and every ranking yeah. I've seen, they're in there without a doubt. So, but if, I don't even count. Like I mean, I count Oklahoma, but also. I don't count them either, yeah. They have to go to Baylor next week. Uh, they still have to go to o- Oklahoma State, and they still have to play Iowa State. Now, they get Iowa State at home, so you think they can win that game. But going to Baylor and going to Oklahoma State, those are not guaranteed wins. And then, 
even if you win those games, you have to play somebody in the Big 12. Like, I don't think Oklahoma's going undefeated. I don't either. I, I just don't I, see a scenario in which Oklahoma wins out. If they do, they're the luckiest football team this year because every game they have looked so bad. And yeah. it's insane. I, it just kind of blows my mind that these there's a lot of analysts that are putting Oklahoma for sure in the playoffs. And then when they look at Cincinnati, they're like, I don't know. But I think Cincinnati's a lot better than Oklahoma, personally. I, I do, too. I... I think uh, if you made me rank them now, I would put Georgia one. It just based on who is the best. I would put Georgia one. I would put Ohio State two. I would put Bama three, and then I could I could put any of Cincinnati, Oklahoma, or Oregon four. I would probably lean toward towards Cincinnati at four. Uh, I'm leaving Bama out of the top four if I if I rank them right now, honestly. I, I mean, I think Bama's good, but I think they have a lot, a lot of flaws and a lot more than... Yeah, but I mean, I think that could be said about literally every team in the country except Georgia. I don't know. This Oregon team looks pretty good. I haven't seen much that I don't like about this Oregon team. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State, uh, they wound up pulling away on Saturday. Penn State actually showed some life, which we kind of wondered based on James Franklin's comments throughout the course of last week if they would show some life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, at this point, James Franklin is pretty much interviewing for the for the LSU or the USC job. I mean, yeah. you 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 don't hire Jimmy Sexton in the middle of the season to get a contract extension. You, you yeah, just don't. You, don't. You, you hire Jimmy Sexton in the middle of the season to go somewhere else and get you a good deal. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean that's true across the board. You. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, you don't hire Jimmy Sexton for contract extension. So I mean, I think he's out at Penn State after this year. But yeah, honestly, with all with they, all the distractions going on, I th- I just thought Ohio State would just overpower them and it wouldn't be close. But I mean, Penn State was Penn State was right in that game, so that was a little that was a little surprising on on uh, Saturday. In terms of other national college football games, uh, so Mississippi State was a home favorite against Kentucky, which I one hundred percent got because. I, I just you look at Kentucky overall and their their body of work is not super impressive. They haven't really played just a ton of teams, and they had to go to Davis Wade and play Mississippi State, and so that that one was not surprising. It turns out Kentucky is probably at an eight and four, nine and three team, just like they have been for the history of their program. I mean, they're yeah. they're, they're they're not a top ten, fifteen team of the country. Maybe bottom tier, top twenty five, but that's that's probably yeah. Probably think, the best, uh, the best they're going to get. So. I think they looked really good at the beginning, but yeah, you're right. Uh, so yeah, uh, there were other couple interesting games. Miami beat Pitt, Pitt, Pittsburgh on Saturday, which was interesting. Uh, BYU and Virginia scored about a billion combined points on Saturday <laughs> night. It was sixty six forty nine BYU the final on that one. Wow, so that was uh, that was an interesting game. Uh, and then you know. There were three just really interesting games in college football this weekend on paper based off rankings. One was Michigan State-Michigan, which turned out to be a really good game. Kenneth Walker uh, lit it up. I mean, rushed for almost 200 yards and looked like a guy that that could win the Heisman. And uh, Michigan State looks like a team that potentially could, could sneak into the playoff. Uh, so that was one. Penn State-Ohio State was one. And... That one was a pretty good game for about three quarters, and then Ohio State pulled away. The other was obviously Ole Miss Auburn. Those were your three top 25 matchups this week, and so those were kind of the most appealing just because you had top 25 teams going against another top 25 team. 
Um, so, really and truthfully, two of those three games were compelling. Ole Miss Auburn really kind of wasn't. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's listen in Ole Miss's case, you're down three receivers, you're down two offensive linemen, you have a quarterback on two bum ankles, and you had a defense that couldn't stop a high school team in the first half of play on Saturday night. So, right, I mean, everything it, was stacked against that team. Yeah, it. Uh, you know, your bill for your bill finally came through for the injuries that you've had and the kind of close games that you have won, like against Arkansas and Tennessee. Your bill finally came, and you got beat on the road at Auburn. It, yeah, like you know, it is what it is. I mean, I think Goldmiss is a better football team, healthy than Auburn, but that like that's that's yeah. not the competition that that's not the competition we're playing. You know, right? Whoever's healthy plays. Like it's. And that's if, a, I mean, if this game was a month ago, I think I think Ole Miss wins the game, but it's not. It was la- it was on Saturday night, and Ole Miss was playing a bunch of dudes that, quite frankly, don't belong on the field in the SEC right now. So that um, you know, frustrating, but it it yeah. is what it is. Uh, I, I did find it interesting that, and I don't think this decided the game. Like there were some bad calls, there were some bad no calls. But that is literally everywhere in the SEC this year. It's not oh, just it's in horrible. Auburn, Alabama. It's been bad. It's all across the board in the SEC. But the Ole Miss-Auburn game did, has kind of sparked some some conversations just about, you know, what do you do if you're the SEC? Because this has kind of become a problem where people are talking about it nationally. Um, and I just, like, I, I don't think there's a good answer. Like, I just, I just don't. Like, I... I don't know that there's a good answer to what do you do in terms of officiating the SEC. Because I just people are making it out like, oh, it's rigged. And it's like, uh, no, it's not, because it would take a lot. I mean, it would take a lot for that to happen. It would take a lot of people not to say anything. So it's not yeah, rigged. It's, not it's rigged. just the fact that it's just kind of bad across the board. So I have found those kind of uh, those conversations interesting over the course of, of the last few days. But – then again, like you can't go one of eight in the red zone and blame it on the officials. Like, yeah. no, I mean the rig, it's not the reason you lost. The rig comments come out, and then the next game, that team, that said team's fans will win, and then they're like, "Oh no, it's fine. We're back to normal now." Yeah, it's like, come on. I just, I don't know. I just, and like, I don't. I'm not one of those that just blames things on officials because everyone yeah, does not the, either it, like there is a certain human element to it like sure they're going to make mistakes but guess what literally everyone on the football field also makes mistakes yeah. throughout the course of the game you can point back to a million things from any loss that affected the game that wasn't a call so I'm not one of these to like just go blame officials but I I think the national conversation may be starting a little bit about all right what are we doing here is is kind of interesting so it's it's bad in the sec but it's not only the sec too there's been calls yeah. all over the country yeah. that were awesome so, uh anyways that uh i would be i don't think anything's going to come out of it uh but it will be interesting to maybe follow that along in the uh in the off season all right uh we'll come back we'll talk about the mlb uh we'll look at some of the nfl games uh from the weekend uh college football playoff rankings come out tomorrow we've seen a the seventh coach fired in the college football world this season Um, so a lot of stuff to get into to close out the show when we come back here on the ticket 
advice? Just take the over. More of the setup is coming up next on The Ticket. Big gains for wheat and cotton, rice and cattle down. Hello, I'm Scotty Woodson on the EAB Ag Network with your EAB Market Countdown. December corn at 579, up 10 and 3 quarters, with March corn at 587, up 10 and 3 quarters. November soybeans, 1236 and 3 quarters, up 1, with January soybeans, 1248 and a half, down 1. December wheat at 797 and a quarter, up 24 and a half. March wheat at 808 and 3 quarters, up 23 and 3 quarters. December cotton at 119.84, up 499, with March cotton at 115.03, up 381. November rice at 1320 and a half, down 7 and a half. Since January rise 1347 and a half down nine. Moving on to livestock now. December live cattle at 128.85 down 42 and a half. February live cattle at 133.90 down 32 and a half. November feeder cattle 154.40 down 217 and a half. With January feeder cattle 152.72 and a half down 340. December lane hogs at 76.15 up seven and a half. February hogs at 78.80 up 12 and a half. That's your EAB market countdown brought to you by Pico Foods. Now buying corn and milo direct from local farmers' bins in Arkansas, Alabama, Missouri, and Mississippi. Attention farmers. Pico Foods wants you to know how much they appreciate your business and that they are ready to buy your stored corn and milo. Pico Foods purchases year-round and always at competitive prices. The eighth largest poultry producer in the U.S. and a fourth-generation family-owned business, Pico Foods believes in supporting local producers, so they buy corn and milo from farmers' bins at competitive prices year-round. Call today. In Arkansas, David Durham or James Chester at 870 870- 202-7101. In Alabama and Mississippi, contact Greg Bird or John Taylor Hickman. 601-670-9383. Red Wolves fans, this is Coach Butch Jones, and it's game week. We need you in Centennial Bank Stadium this Saturday. Hatcher throws it over the middle. Caught today. Linton across the 40. Breaks a tackle across the 45-50. T. Hunt across the 40. 30. 20. He's inside the 10, and he's into the end zone for the score. 76 yards. Help us lock the vault. Secure your seat now. Visit astateredwolves.com or call 870-972-2781. Wolves up. Over the years, Purcell Tire and Service Center has earned the reputation as the home of a huge selection of tires, plus unbeatable service on your personal vehicle. And now, Purcell is looking for you to join their team. Purcell is looking for mechanics, tire technicians, and an outside service technician for medium commercial tires. Apply now at PurcellTire.com, PurcellTire.com, and click on Careers. And next time you need your vehicle serviced, remember to go see your friends at Purcell Tire and Service Center, corner of Parker and Caraway Road, Jonesboro. First National Bank of Eastern Arkansas is striving to make life easier for all their banking customers by introducing a brand new way to control your Visa debit card. With the My Card Rules mobile app, you can turn your debit card on or off with the push of a button, set limits on spending and transaction types, see recent transactions, customize alerts, and so much more. Existing customers can download the free My Card Rules app today in the Apple app or Google Play Store. We're giving you the power to take control of your card at First National Bank of Eastern Arkansas. Member FDIC. Timeout's over, and we're going to a full-court press. Now let's get back to the setup on the ticket. All right, welcome back here on the setup. About 10 minutes to go here on a uh, Monday edition of the show. So there's so much going on, so much that went on in the world of sports today, just completely have failed to mention to this point that the Sunbelt did have a news conference, press conference, uh, welcoming in Marshall this morning. Uh, Keith Gill was on site. And uh, one of the things that uh, 
he talked about with with Marshall, and this was something I don't know if we talked about it here, if it was brought up in the Workday Red Zone, but it was it was one of the things that was brought up last week with Marshall joining the Sunbelt Conference is that they were the de- the defending national champion in men's soccer. So obviously that is a big sport for them, and they were very good at men's soccer. Uh, Keith Gill confirmed that the league is bringing men's soccer back, which like they've kind of had it, but it's only been like four teams, five teams, whatever. Mm-hmm. And UCA has been a member of the Sun Belt in in men's soccer, so like they've kind of had it, but they really haven't had it. So uh, he did say they're bringing men's soccer back, which is uh, which is interesting. Going to be interesting to see how that looks when uh, Marshall joins the conference in 2023. But so far, three of the Four teams to the Sunbelt Conference have had their uh, welcome press conference to the league and have been confirmed. They got the the hype video and everything put out on on Twitter and all that. So um, that is um, that's awesome. That's, they're bringing it back. I'm a yeah, huge college uh, soccer fan. James Madison uh, is expected maybe at some point this week to get into the league. Obviously, they're doing a, having to do. A, jump through a lot of hoops and hurdles in the state of Virginia to get from FCS to FBS. But three of the four are officially in, and Keith Gill did uh, mention that men's soccer coming back to uh, to the Sun Belt. So that'll be uh, interesting to see what that looks like coming up in 2023. In terms of the World Series, I don't know why, because it, it is an interesting storyline. You have the Braves who are trying to break this forever long Atlanta sports curse against the big bad Astros who everyone hates because of their whole deal in 2017, banging trash cans and all that. (laughs) And so, like, on paper, it's a very interesting storyline. But for whatever reason, like, I just I can't get invested in this World Series. I feel the same way. It's weird. I tried – Watching the game on Sunday, and I just got so bored. I just stopped watching. That's kind of how I was. I, I turned it on last night, and at that point, it was, I think it was 4-4 four to four or 5-4 to four or something uh, whenever I turned it on. So, yeah, it, it was it was, uh, it was was 5-4 to because I turned it on to the fourth, and I watched the whole fourth inning, and I watched the Astros in the top of the fifth, and then I just I kind of turned it off yeah and so I just I don't know like I, I'm usually all in and interested in the World Series and I'll watch every game and every pitch that I possibly can like I just I haven't been that way this year and I don't know why because it is an interesting storyline I mean it's yeah you I'll know you see watch tomorrow you, you see the sights and sounds from Atlanta and you know their ballpark district whatever battery park or whatever they call it has just been slam packed and it's been really cool to see but just from an overall game perspective, I just I don't know that the interest level is quite. I just think been it's there. Crazy that the tickets are that expensive. I was talking yeah. to a bunch of my friends yeah. from Atlanta, and they're like, "I can't even go to the game because it's the twelve hundred dollars." Yeah, it was twelve hundred was like the base <laughs> level. I'm like, "Geez." Yeah, so that, uh, that point. that's been the interesting part, I guess, about the World Series is how expensive it is. In which it's, uh, and maybe that's the case every year, but. Obviously, we haven't had a true like World Series in two years because last year it was fifty percent, forty percent capacity, whatever it was in in Arlington. So uh, we haven't had a true like home field World Series in two years. So maybe that's what it was in twenty nineteen. I just don't remember prices being that crazy. I don't either. In two thousand and nineteen, 
so that went on last night. Also yesterday, I, I guess the NFL was was somewhat interesting. I'd, I'd say it was interesting, but it was interesting in like a weird way, like not yeah. where you expected it, like with the Bengals and Jets. Like it, it was strange. Yeah, uh, Dallas winning with Cooper Rush at quarterback and not Dak Prescott having to come wild. from behind and was, come from behind to win. Uh, wild. Tom Brady throwing a pick six to to lose the game in the Superdome yesterday was was crazy. So I mean, those were probably the two the two highlight games, and those were the last two games played yesterday in the NFL. Uh, the Patriots beating the Chargers what caught me a little off guard. Uh, that was a three I watched point that game. The and it was the Patriots looked like. Tom Brady era Patriots. I mean, they yeah. looked like they were just rolling. It was yeah. weird. So, it uh, it was kind of a I guess a lighter day in the uh, the NFL yesterday, but uh, tonight it's the New York Giants at the Kansas City Chiefs, which a month ago I would have told you would have been a blowout in the Chiefs' favor, but the Chiefs have <laughs> now proven, interesting have proven time and time again they have the worst defense in the NFL, yeah, and no Patrick kidding. Mahomes has taken a beating this year, so that actually might turn out to be. A, uh, a somewhat interesting game between two teams that, I mean, quite honestly, are not good. Oh, would the, you uh, expected that out of the Giants? You did not expect that out of the out of the Chiefs at all. Yeah, no. So the uh, the Titans Colts game was good. Yeah, I watched that one, and boy, oh boy, does Carson Wentz look terrible. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, that uh, it was. Not just a truly eventful day in the NFL yesterday. It was a truly eventful day in college football yesterday because Gary Patterson got fired uh, or let go or however you want to phrase it at TCU, which, I mean, again, like TCU has not had the success that they had at the height of the Patterson era over the course of the last few years, but it's still a guy that took a football program that quite frankly, when he got there, was really nothing, and elevated them into something. I mean, when Gary Patterson got to got to TCU, they were a consistent like four or five win team uh, that was playing in the Western Athletic Conference, about to transition into the CUSA. Then they go from the CUSA to the Mountain West, and then he takes him from the Mountain West to the Big 12 and wins big in the Big 12. I mean, they they won the Peach Bowl in 2014. They went 12 and 1. They went 11 and 2 in 2015. They they went 11 and 3 in 2017. Like he won big in the Big 12 conference and literally every conference they played in. There was a statue of him outside the stadium at TCU. So obviously he has been instrumental in taking a football program that quite honestly was nothing and turning it into something. Uh, so it is interesting to to no longer see him there. Obviously, the success hadn't been there in the last few years. I mean they right. they hadn't won more than seven games since they won went eleven and three in twenty seventeen um, and had you know a losing season in twenty nineteen. They went six and four last year. They were already three and five on the year this year. So obviously, you know a change had to be made. I did think it was interesting that. Uh, you know, the athletic director said they offered him a chance to stay and coach the rest of the year, and he's like, nah, I'm out. So, I, I don't know, like, what, what his next move is, move move is, if he wants to get another coaching job or he's going to retire or, or what the deal is, but Gary I think Patterson out at TCU. I so. think he'll be at a big-time job in the next year. Yeah, I could see that. 
He's a good coach. I, I think he will be. I can see that. Also, college football player college football playoff rankings come out tomorrow night, which is always fun, but it also means the entire last month of the college football regular season is meaningless unless you're one of the top <laughs> six or seven teams. So, I was about to say that, yeah. So congratulations tomorrow night to whoever the top six <laughs> through eight teams are that have a chance to make the playoff. Everyone else, I mean, enjoy, <laughs> enjoy playing for, for essentially nothing. Enjoy which, the Birmingham Bowl. That <laughs> – Maybe we never get there. That's the number one reason I want an expansion of the college football playoff. Because at this point, yeah, if you know you're out of the if you know you're out of the college football playoff conversation, and you can say the access bowls, and I guess the access bowls matter to an extent, but well, they don't okay, matter like, like they used bit. to. Yeah, like and barely. so, if you're out of the conference championship hunt and you're out of the college football playoff hunt. And you're one of these teams in the top 25 that isn't in the top eight. Like, what are you playing for at this point? There, yeah, there's no like incentive at that point. Whereas, if you have a 12 team playoff, then 16, 15, 16 of your teams in the top 25 feel like they have a chance to get into the playoff. And so, that two loss team that's now out is not really out. I mean, the two loss team still has a chance to get into the playoff if they went out the rest of the way. Yeah. Whereas now, you know, you have one loss and two loss teams that. I mean, they're what are they playing for at this point? I've seen to a lot go of, to the Sugar Bowl, where half their team's going to be out because they've declared for the NFL draft. Yeah, I was about to say I've seen a lot of arguments that they'll just uh, opt out anyways if there's a playoff. But no, if there's a playoff, they can win a national championship. They're going to play. Yeah, that's oh, crazy to me. Uh, by the way, can confirm as someone who was in Montgomery yesterday, Wenzel's is still good as still as good as I remember it being from the A-State Bowl trips. <laughs> I hope we have more A-State Bowl trips to either Mobile or Montgomery in the near future. There you go. All right, that does it for us today. Uh, thanks to Andrew Bowen on the other side of the glass. The Drive with Brad Bobo is next from 3 to 6. 7 to 10 tomorrow, it's the Front Row with Budrow. 10 to 12, it is Red Wolf Roll Call. 12 to 2, it's the Workday Red Zone with Kara They get you back to us tomorrow from 2 to 3. For Andrew, I'm Cade saying so long. Have a great Monday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow afternoon.